Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, where once a week we get together and explore the many ways that weather kind of pokes and prods and tucks and nooks and weaves and winds itself into our everyday lives, and what that really means for us. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek, and this week we're going to explore the question, is a quality weather forecast an inalienable right? But before we dive into the main topic, as always, let me take a moment to just thank those of you who are supporting the podcast in the many ways that you can. Certainly some of you are doing it financially through supporting us at www.patreon.com weather or have made donations via PayPal. Those things are great and help a lot with making sure that we aren't losing money in doing this thing. But you can also help by telling others about it right? Giving me feedback and show ideas. All those things help. And I just wanted to say thank you for those of you doing it. Learn more about doing that at whatisitabouttheweather.com slash support. You know, my weather week, we had a little bit of a, I don't know, since we last talked, we had a big warm up. We had a day almost reached 70 degrees Fahrenheit. So it was a nice kind of springish day. And then we turned around and got right back into sort of winter mode. Well, that's fine. I'm good with that. But I was reading an interesting story this week about how weather cancellations, the stress involved for people who actually have to make that decision. And, you know, it's thinking about we get into different timescales of weather forecasts, right? And that's one where, you know, it's, it's down to the minute. They've got a certain deadline. They've got a certain time span that they're thinking about. All those, all those components, if you will, are known. But then there's this little tricky thing with snow. And we've talked about it on more than one occasion, right? That just a little bit, like less than a quarter of an inch of rain, not, we're not talking big quantities, can deliver such different outcomes when it comes to winter weather and the timing of those events and all these things that go into play with making the decision on when to cancel schools, close governments, those sort of things. It was just an interesting conundrum because in this, you know, in this kind of social media age, everybody's a critic, right? We all are. We're all guilty of it at some point, whether we're doing it online or not. It's just easier to do it online than it used to be. We've all kind of had that tendency, I'm sure. But in any case, those people are are dealing with a, a difficult process. So be cognizant of that and understand that it's hard to make the right call every time. And what's right for you may not be always right for other people. Let's cut them a little bit of slack, if you would. All right. So today we're going to get into a thinking topic. And, you know, a lot of times, a lot of weeks, I throw stuff out there. You guys can kind of sit mindlessly and listen or fall asleep, as I know that sometimes people probably do put me on and go to bed. But this week, I'm going to throw a little bit of information out there and provide you an opportunity to ponder a little bit. I don't often do that. We've done it a few times before, but every now and then I think it's good to do these sort of thinking episodes, if you will. So I've got my show notes here. I'm I'm going to show them to you on the camera. (laughs) Just kidding. No camera to look at and see the show notes. But unlike most weeks, this set of notes is particularly sparse. And I did that kind of intentionally because I didn't want to overload this topic with a lot of information that 
would push you in one direction or the other necessarily. So I'm going to try to give you some key elements. And this really was spurred by a recent event that took place at the AMS 2018 meeting. So American Meteorological Society's annual meeting that I was at a few weeks ago. And I want to talk about what happened there in the context of this broader question. Now, I put forth is a quality weather forecast, right, and an alienable right. And, you know, there, there's this need to understand what does that even mean? What is an inalienable right? And it really gets down to natural versus man-derived rights. So there's a classic, right? There's the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness that is mentioned in the Declaration of Independence here in the U.S. But take those individually and you start to understand, if you look at life, man doesn't grant through laws life. Life is created in another way. It's considered a natural right. You, you have life. Right. Now, in the U.S., we say liberty and pursuit of happiness, although these things didn't directly end up in the Constitution, so it's a little bit tricky there. But in theory, inalienable or unalienable, it's sometimes written, or natural rights are things that, you know, are just part of you existing as a person. You know, some people show different lists, if you will, of what falls in those categories, but it's generally a pretty small thing. So I don't think that a quality weather forecast is an inalienable right, but if you consider life an inalienable right, or an unalienable right, or a natural right, where a quality weather forecast fits in that is very relevant. So think of it in that context, and let's take a little walk and talk about what happened. So we discussed before, meteorologists generally are not creepy people. We may be a little odd at times, but generally speaking, you don't see us being overly animated as a rule of thumb. There are certainly some on-air meteorologists. That's, that's how they make their stick, if you will, and get a following, and I understand that. But there's certain things I expect to happen at the annual meetings, and there's other things I don't. Now, we have these what are called town hall meetings every time, and this meeting would be no different. Usually what happens at these town hall meetings is you've got a panel of people you know, it can vary in size, but let's say on average it's four or five people. And they're usually given an opportunity to kind of make a brief statement on a topic. And then the audience asks questions. The whole idea is to have a little bit more of a dialogue than the regular presentations, hence the, you know, town hall meeting sort of thing. But at the same time, these people up on the stage are still considered kind of subject matter experts. And us audience folks are there to maybe ask them some questions, get some feedback, but have a dialogue that's bigger than just people having a presentation. Now, the town hall meeting in question was one called the weather value chain, and it's not necessarily a new topic. Actually, a couple of years ago at my last meeting, this town hall topic was there, and I saw a different group of presenters. Different, some different concepts then, some repeat concepts. And before I get too deep into this, let me, let me just say, I'm going to skip on names in my conversation today. And the reason for that is multiple, actually. But just for a sake of time, I don't think getting into who everybody is, even the company names, is going to add a tremendous amount of value. I will mention one organization specifically, but you'll understand why I do that. 
And if you really want the names and to have more dialogue about that, it's not that I'm trying to avoid that. So reach out to me and we can we can talk about that. Given the recent uptick in private weather data, if you will, or privatization of certain elements of the data chain that feeds the weather forecasting process, and you can go back and you know listen to the series we did on that and understand a little bit more about how important it is, the panel represented some people in the satellite realm, some people creating alternative data sources that are non-traditional and kind of new to the weather enterprise, as well as some people on academic and within government, specifically within the satellite data element of government, and that's U.S. government. So all these people were U.S.-centric, I believe, in terms of their current organization location, if you will. Now, they all did their presentation, some interesting comments, and lo and behold, someone gets up to ask a first question. Now, this person was with the World Bank, or represented the World Bank. And so this takes this topic globally, and they very quickly got into more than a question, if you will. The question was basically, what about all these people out here who can't afford paying for weather forecast? Now, you may think at first glance, well, I don't pay for weather forecast. I get it. Yeah, but so, in some way, it is paid for, whether it's government employees, whether you you know watch the Weather Channel and it's paid through advertising. Us in the what I would call the first world have a very quick access to a weather forecast of some type right? And the premise put forward is there's a lot of people that don't have access to those forecasts. And maybe even more importantly, as the quality of weather forecast has evolved and could have a meaningful impact on the lives of some of these people who are farmers or in other positions that have very minimal annual incomes and fight for life you know, every day to have enough food and in situations like that, that either between the fact of certain things being privatized and or the governments in those countries not focused on that population, that somewhere on the order of 2 billion people around the globe are fighting every day against, potentially against weather elements, just to have enough sustenance, if you will, whether it's making money or just providing enough food for self-existence, to live. Now, I can't substantiate whether that two billion number is right. I, I don't know. But this person, you know, put forward the question, and the panelists were about to answer the question, and they'd start to try to answer, and this person very quickly made a point of interrupting or trying to clarify certain things, and even in the initial question, it was as much about kind of making a statement. Now, I understand this person was very passionate about the topic, and certainly that's what brought it to me even bringing it up today. Certainly, they they cared about it a lot, and I have to agree in some regard that quite often when we think about these things and we think about what we're doing, and I know when I think about what I'm doing, that I don't necessarily think about somebody who's living on dollars a year and how they're getting by and how weather forecasts could impact their lives. However, that said, it was also very clear to me that this person didn't want an answer per se. 
they had made their statement. And if they did want an answer, they weren't certainly weren't going to listen to it in that form because some people were willing to try to have that dialogue. And it just wasn't going anywhere. So eventually it got cut off. And the unfortunate aftermath is because of the way it was presented that, you know, the rumbling I heard in the hall afterwards was more um, making fun of this individual or kind of just in disbelief that it happened. But it was easy to dismiss this person because they seemed so radical in the in how they presented things and in I don't know. It was it was clearly not a uh, put forward as something to have a, a conversation about. Now, keep in mind that this was being talked about in a situation where, you know, we need to have these conversations, and we do. the The world is changing all the time, and I, I think it's important. As I come from the side of whether as a money making proposition, and have been involved with it as that. Right? Not weather per se, but the weather forecast. But I'm also realistic in understanding that a lot of times the way we advance is certain people are willing to pay for certain things. And then usually over time, as it becomes a more generic or you know run-of-the-mill thing, it's just like having something and then you have the generic equivalent in drugs. I mean, we probably, you know, we can get into whole debates on all these different topics. But fundamentally, end of day, I you know, we even call it the weather enterprise. I've existed on that part where there is money. However, it's very important to acknowledge as well that I've also had the privilege of being involved with people who are very focused on making sure that people in less fortunate areas do get quality weather forecast. Now, this person may or may not be aware of those activities, and maybe they think that there's not enough of that going on, and I, I can understand that. I can understand why. I have also witnessed enough of how governments behave around the world to know that they don't always look at the situation and go, hey, we need to be looking out for X, Y, and Z, and that our focus should be about that. But basically, fundamentally, we get back to the same question, which is let's just stick with life for a moment and assume that that's inalienable and it's this right that we all have. At what point is that weather forecast cross the line between life-saving and informational, right? I'm planning an event next weekend. It's certainly not life-threatening, but I want to know if it's going to rain. And I'd sure like to know if the weather forecast is going to tell me if it's going to be a problem, you know, if my event is going to run into an issue, whatever it might be. Not life, but information. Useful information, valuable information, information in theory I ought to be willing to pay for. However, a farmer in a flood-prone area a week out when a hurricane or a tropical cyclone might be bearing down on them and the difference between starting to act now, they keep in mind, no cars, no ability to move things in a hurry. Having access to that forecast could be life-saving and not just life-saving for them, life-saving for their family, for their community, right? So every forecast may not be the same way or viewed with the same set of eyes. So we get in these, you know, perspective, and let's do keep in mind that if you look at life and if you look at governments or other things being responsible for protecting that life, we do it all the time. I mean, our governments are charged with protecting the water, protecting the air, protecting our health. And when it comes to weather forecast, that includes things like, you know, is there a risk of a tornado? Is there a risk of a hurricane? 
is there a risk in the short term of a heat wave or a brutal freeze or whatever it might be? I mean, you've, you've heard me mention, it's like the Weather Ready Nation, the whole concept there, the whole concept is about saving life. Yes, and property, but first and foremost, it's about making sure people don't die, right? That they're not put into a situation that could cause loss of life, if we can at all avoid that. Again, not always possible, but that's what the goal is. hundred years ago, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Why? Because the technology was not such. Yeah, we could do some of it in a very broad sense. Some Actually, I shouldn't say 100 years ago. Let's say 200 years ago. We wouldn't have been asking, is a weather forecast at all connected to life preservation? Just, it wouldn't even have come up. We wouldn't have been able to communicate in a way, share the data that was relevant to creating a forecast. And as we've talked about in past episodes, then no telegraph came along and we were able to at least share some things that were upstream of where the weather was coming, at least for some people, not in every case. And that changed it. But then models came out and we could do better forecast. But at what point, what point does those forecasts we're able to do today, the ever-improving forecast cross the line between life, life preservation, and in concept, delivering or at a minimum protecting that inalienable right versus when does it become information? Now, I gave you the example of a hurricane in those regions, right? But it could be something as simple as when is it going to rain enough to flood a, you know, a certain area that's very prone to floods? And how far in advance do you need to know that? And that's it, this is where we get into it. I don't think most people would argue that like same-day forecast should probably be available in some form to everybody. Quality, the best we can do. But if you look at something, let, let's talk about something more simple. Okay, let's talk about something like temperature and know that a temperature forecast, that's three, four, five degrees Fahrenheit, you know, a couple degrees Celsius can have a huge impact in areas like energy or retail. What, what are people going to buy? You know, we have different thresholds that matter, but to a human, you know, that, that temperature difference quite often, even though it has monetary value to somebody and high precision is important the differences for humans not going to be huge as long as they know hey in these extreme thresholds you need to know this is going on so it's easy to understand even with something as simple as temperature that sometimes you know it's just information it's just a, a piece of data that we use in our analysis. And as you know, we've talked about in this podcast, hopefully you've seen different ways that it can be used. But at what point do we say that every human on this planet, because this is really a global issue, right? This is an issue about, it is about the less fortunate, that all humans are should have access to those things. And, and this gets in the debate about, and I've heard it before, about is internet one of those things that everybody should just have, given, given the age in which we live? You know, it's kind of hard to have that argument 30 years ago when no one was using the internet. But it holds true for weather forecasts as well, which is should everybody 
within reason, have access to it. And we've talked about how mobile devices, even simple things like text alerts, should every day a text alert be sent out to at least somebody in a, in a certain area and they make sure it's spread or make sure everybody has a cheap, inexpensive mobile phone, right? Everybody around the globe to the best we can. And they get a text message every day with a basic forecast, basic information that they might need to know, and maybe maybe even an extended forecast, and it's sent to them free of charge. Should that occur? Is it essential to that preservation of life? I think you can make the argument for it, but, you know, there are real costs with making that happen. And, you know, you start to compare it to things like medical care, and we always talk about the advances we're making in medicine, but let's be clear that most people don't have, and I and I say that meaningfully, most people around the globe don't have access to the level of medicine that some people do in, in the most developed countries. And I think we've made great strides in trying to make sure that some of those basic things are done. You know, trying to do what can be done to solve the AIDS problem around the globe, certainly. But you can't solve it all. So where where is the dividing line? And does that even apply here in the U.S.? And, and you know, I, I've gone global, but you have to even start looking here. At what point, at what point should the National Weather Service, as an example, be providing that life-saving information, and what is the threshold? Is it so many days? Is it certain variables that we're looking at? What is the mandate? Because this comes up with the whole, what should the private sector be doing versus the public sector? And this gets into this value chain thing, which is, at what point should private companies be providing the data that drive these critical forecasts? So it's kind of a loop situation. It's not just about the final output. It's In this thing, was as much about the input as it was the output. Because as we start looking to these different entities to produce information, and potentially very valuable information, their motivation may not be the same as somebody who sends up a satellite that's with the government. Doesn't mean it can't be useful information. But how do we ensure that the life-protecting elements are indeed protected themselves? See, there's lots to ponder in this. And I don't know that I know where those thresholds are or if it's easily set or determined. But it does prompt one to think about what guidelines should we use, whether it's weather forecast or anything else. I think this weather forecasting thing is a, a key element in it, in the preservation of life. And as we advance, as humanity advances, what do we do to make sure that the guidelines around those things, the procedures, our own laws, our own human governing, protect those elements for people next to you as well as people halfway around the globe. It's easier than ever to deliver weather forecasts around the globe. And we're better than ever at forecasting at those places around the globe. What's the difference between life and useful information? Something for you to ponder. Think about it. Give it some thoughts. I don't know. I don't know all the answers. Feel free to contact me at, at what is it about the weather at gmail.com or what is it about the weather.com slash contact. Either of those. Give me your thoughts.
I mean, maybe you figured it all out. Like I said, at this session, unfortunately, the individual eh, maybe got mocked a little bit in the, in the whispers and everything afterwards, but I don't think the question is irrelevant. And I guess in that way, maybe I walked away thinking about it. And the individuals on the stage, I had heard in other presentations, and I think it's a topic actually they care about. I don't think anybody doesn't care about it, but we all go through our lives, right? We all go through our everyday and are very focused on our lives and the lives of those around us. But at some point, someone does have to think bigger and broader because these questions and the way that the solutions roll out are bigger than any one of us. You know, maybe a, w a good way to ponder it is you as an individual is imagine you're in a, an area that's susceptible to a certain type of weather event, whether it's flash flooding or something along those lines. What would you do if you knew a forecast was available that could save you in all those events, yet it wasn't being made available to you or you couldn't get it easily? How would that make you feel? Maybe ponder it that way. All right. Enough about the heavy. There's plenty, there's plenty, 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 plenty to think about there. So reach out at whatisitabouttheweather at gmail.com or whatisitabouttheweather.com slash contact. And, you know, have a conversation with me. Be glad to, to ponder about it with you further. Or just get your thoughts. Whatever you want to share. Okay. For those that like to look towards the sky, and I know there's many of you who listen to this podcast who probably fit in that category, there's an interesting event coming up next week, if you're listening to this somewhat regularly. So if you've gotten past January 31st, well, you can just skip this part. But for those of you who are listening relatively close to recording time, there's going to be a, I think it's being called a super blue blood moon or something along those lines. Basically, we've got a super moon coming up, which is about the proximity of the, the moon to the Earth. We've got a blue moon, which is the second full moon in a month, and we're going to have a total lunar eclipse. So, put a link in the show notes. If that interests you, take a look at it, see if you can see it where you're at. You might enjoy catching that. Now, whether it's the topic we talked about today, or if it's any of the topics that we get into from time to time, or if it's just stuff in your everyday life. I always recommend, you know, every so often look at it and go, hmm, someday when the weather is doing something and you notice an impact, whether it's a wilting flower or a ice-covered road, whatever it might be, you know, some of these things are obvious, some of them are less so. But look beyond just the obvious influences. Look for some of the things that, you know, walk into a store on a hot day and you find yourself buying something. Maybe you never really stopped and thought about that before. There's a lot of ways that weather touches us, right? Obvious and non-obvious. But enjoy it. Learn from it. Get something out of it. Because as we all know, there's much more to weather than the weather itself. This is your two-word-truth-for-production. We're tired of hearing our uncle grovel, so please support him on patreon.com slash weather.